This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. You have undoubtedly heard of impact investing or responsible investing, both of which promise to generate returns and create positive social and environmental change. However, the precise meaning behind these terms may not be entirely clear. With me today to shed some light on this is Australian Ethical Chief Executive Superannuation, Ross Piper. Ross, thank you for joining me. Great, thanks. Delighted to be with you, Cass. So starting off, the term impact investing sounds quite broad, and amid growing greenwashing concerns, it can also be a bit confusing. Can you please clarify what impact investing really means and tell us if the definition is subjected to change depending on the fund or whoever is doing the investing? Yeah, look, it's a really good question. And I think what we've seen both domestically and internationally is a real evolution of the thinking and the frameworks that support what impact investing actually is. At its core, uh, probably the best definition to use comes from the Global Impact Investing Network, which talks about investments that have both additionality, meaning that they, uh, they, they create additional impact or benefit through uh, through the work that they're doing, but also materiality in the sense that these are investments that have a material and a direct focus on generating could be positive social and or environmental returns alongside targeted financial returns. In terms of the question on, you know, is that definition changing? I think what we're seeing in the market is that impact is often used quite loosely. And I think that creates both that creates some challenges, of course, for consumers to just try and understand what actually is an impact investment. But there's a whole bunch of really good work that's been done uh, around the world, in fact, which is a, it really intended to try and give clarity and definition to what actually is an impact investment. And, um, you know, for, certainly for Australian ethical, uh, we're closely engaged in a number of those conversations. And we think as the market continues to mature and grow, it's really important that we try to adopt some standard approaches and definitions so that consumers can actually understand what it is that their money's invested in. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us. Um, you were the, also the chief executive of Christian Super for about five years, and you were still in the role when it merged with Aussie Ethical in 2022. So can you tell us what it was like going from Christian Super to Australian Ethical? Yeah, look, it's been a, been a big change, obviously, but it's been a good change. Christian Super, as uh, folks may know, had been around for a very similar amount of time as Australian Ethical. Both funds or organisations founded in the mid-1980s and both of the organisations, uh, if you like, were ethical pure play funds. So meaning that every dollar that was invested on behalf of its members was invested ethically and with deep consideration around the certain you know, particular sectors that we avoided, but equally and probably more importantly, the sorts of sectors that we actively targeted for positive benefits. So in that respect, uh, we had very deep alignment between the two organisations. Both organisations were growing strongly, highly engaged members who cared deeply about their money and how it was invested. And I think with an overall belief and conviction that capital can generate a positive impact for both society and for environment, all whilst all still, you know, achieving targeted risk-adjusted returns. And so 
bringing two organisations together is obviously a lot of work. There's a lot of um, you know, cultural considerations and just administrative and, and operational considerations. But overall, it's been a really good transition. And one that we now see, you know, you've got combined membership of um, almost 120,000 members growing fast, all, you know, Australians, again, who care deeply about uh, how their money is invested and investing that money in line with their values and beliefs. So overall, a good change. Um, but yeah, lots, lots, lots to navigate and to to land through a process like that. Well, there's a lot of shared values and beliefs between the two funds. So how did your background and tenure at Christian Super complement and align with Aussie Ethicals principles? Well, I think when we looked at the two organisations and we looked at the underlying investment approaches, we realised, in fact, you had very, very deep areas of commonality and alignment. Uh, I mentioned before, even the way that we would apply negative screens, so screening out destructive or harmful sectors, things like tobacco or weapons or, or, or other certain gambling, other, other things that we would exclude from the portfolio, the two, the two organisations were very, very closely aligned on those things. Um, but equally, as I mentioned earlier, the areas where we had targeted you know, positive investments or ESG, you know, positive screening. So looking at actively investing in certain sectors that um, always thinking about financial returns, but equally had the additional benefit of generating positive societal or environmental benefits or impacts. Christian Super had probably um, gone deeper into impact investing more directly than Australian Ethical. But having said that, the two organisations in coming together just made a whole lot of sense. And of course, the other area where Australian Ethical have been very strong and continue to be very active in is the whole notion of, if you like, active stewardship. So, you know, actively engaging with companies to uh, address certain areas of behaviour or improve practices. We think that that's an important part of the overall investment approach that we bring together. And of course, now with a blended organisation, we've got a strong, diverse portfolio that is, uh, as I say, we're an ethical, pure play organisation. Every dollar invested is uh, is screened and very, very carefully considered. And uh, the addition of the Christian super underlying impact assets into the portfolio has been a great plus because it gives more diversification, but equally helps to amplify uh, the story and the purpose of the organisation to be generating good, strong financial returns for our members, equally mm-hmm. always considering the positive societal and environmental impacts that we're targeting. Yeah, it sounds like a dream combination. I mean, does impact investing really sort of guarantee or generate positive financial returns. I mean, I'm sure that's what a lot of people are thinking when they're looking to roll their money over into a fund that, you know, has that those sustainable um, objectives. Yeah, so there's been a lot written about this and the question being, of course, do impact investments, can they deliver long-term financial returns that match you know, other types of investments? And I think the, the answer to that broadly would be, and it depends. And of course, there are impact investments that are funded through charity or philanthropy that absolutely are not targeted or designed to deliver market rate risk-adjusted returns. Of course, as uh, as a superannuation fund, as fund managers, we're fiduciaries, and so we have to consider. Uh, you know, we we play at the market rate risk adjusted return end of the spectrum, and so any investments we make absolutely have to consider first and foremost the financial returns that they're targeting. But I think there's a very strong body of research that would support the fact that you can do impact investing well, and that it actually creates value in a portfolio through a couple of things. One, it's typically a really diverse asset class. And so 
often has a very low level of correlation with other assets in your portfolio. But secondly, it's often targeting sectors or geographies that may look quite different to other parts of the portfolio. So through both correlation or lack of correlation, as well as diversification, good long-term investments uh, can actually deliver strong financial returns to a portfolio. It's also worth considering that those investments may perform quite differently at various parts of the market cycle. Uh, and so investment teams need to carefully manage those sorts of factors. But, mm-hmm. uh, but we, we have a strong conviction and belief that the way we invest our members' money over the long term will continue to deliver good financial returns. And there's a strong track record for Australian ethical uh, to say that that's been the case. And certainly our conviction is, is similar as we move forward. Okay. Well, in that case, how do you implement your impact investment mindset at Australian Ethical compared to Christian Super? Well, it's actually very similar in the sense that um, we think about impact as a as a thematic that sits across the overall portfolio. But of course, there are some investments, particularly in alternative asset classes, that more directly um, address or target areas of social or environmental need. But we think that it's across the board. As I said, Australian Ethicals, Ethical Pure Play, every part of our investment portfolio, whether it's in listed stocks or alternatives or, or elsewhere, is is there's a lens that we consider or a filter that we consider that applies across the whole portfolio. So in fact, very little change in the way that the approach has been taken, other than the fact that we've now got a much larger portfolio. And so you've got more opportunity to uh, help to grow um, all aspects of our our theory of change and and the investment beliefs and how we outwork those. We recently produced and we produce an annual sustainability report, which is a really great way for our members and investors to see how we apply very practically all elements of our approach. And likewise, we've just recently developed quite a comprehensive or an updated ethical guide because we recognise that it's really important for for members, superannuation fund members or investors, to have good level of transparency and understanding of how we apply um, investment approaches. Your consumer awareness, consumer understanding is really, really important, particularly in this context of, if, uh, if you like, the, the work and, and the work that regulators are looking at just to ensure that disclosures are clear and really well understood. Um, we want to be very propositional and um, continue to hopefully be a good leader in the market in that particular area. Just having a look back and at that merger, it was prompted by the guidance of APRA. I mean, although you mentioned at the time that Christian Super had been actively exploring its options, of course, APRA expressed concerns around underperformance, particularly in my super products. So given this, how can super funds successfully allocate to impact investing while remaining in line with your future, your super guidelines and prioritising members' best interests? Yeah, so look, we, we think that the... The two are absolutely aligned. Of course, your future, your super, and the performance test. There's been much written about it and much spoken about it in the, in the risk that it may promote or drive certain short-term behaviours or short-term thinking. Our conviction is that investment, particularly in superannuation, is a long-term proposition. Um, it's really important for investment teams to be thinking about portfolio allocation or strategic asset allocation that will deliver targeted returns over the long term. We think that impact investments can form and should form part of that story. Um, Of course, you need to look very closely at the performance and relative performance against the benchmarks and the performance test, whilst it's not perfect, has certainly given a better degree of 
clarity and you know give gives consumers an ability to if you like compare performance between funds perhaps in a slightly more objective way but i also think there is a risk that you take your eye off the longer term and for us we're really clear on the portfolio settings that we actually have. Um, there's been a strong track record and history of, um, of benchmark relative outperformance. Um, and again, we think it's really important for investors to just keep an eye on the long-term perspective. Interestingly, for Christian Super, and you're quite right, we did have issues around the performance test, but part of that was the retrospective nature of the test. And it was also the nature of some of the assets in the portfolio that, as I mentioned, typically perform differently to other um, you know, listed equities or something similar to that. And um, over the longer term, and in fact, even subsequent to the, uh, the issues that Christian Super had on the performance test, a number of those impact assets actually then materially outperformed the market. So I think that the headline here is that it's really important for investors to retain a long-term perspective, um, making sure that the portfolios are well-designed. And certainly in the case of Australian Ethical, we think we've got um, a really strong um, set of assets in the portfolio and that our long-term settings are right. Uh, obviously, we exclude out certain parts of the, um, the market and that's an important consideration for our members. But equally, we invest in other sectors that will have uh, upside benefit in different parts of the market cycle, things like technology or healthcare, sustainable agriculture. These are all areas that we think over time are going to continue to perform very strongly. So um, performance test is important. You need to, to manage to it, to be aware of it, but to not let it define and limit the longer-term perspective and the clarity of investment strategy that, uh, that asset owners or asset managers should have. Yeah, I'm kind of really curious about this one. I mean, can you explain to us the difference between Australian Ethical's investment strategy and that of a retail or industry super fund, considering such funds still allocate to impact investing? I'm just wondering what the point of difference is. Yeah, look, I think part of this is the terminology around what actually is impact investing itself. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier, there's been a fair bit of confusion, and I think there still is confusion in the market about this. I'd say the, the fundamental difference for Australian ethical is that we're an ethical pure play, meaning that we don't just offer one particular sustainable option or something similar to that. Every single dollar that we invest is invested in line with our ethical charter and that ethical charter constitutionally enshrined since Australian ethical was established really defines the sectors that we won't invest in, but equally the things that we will actively target. So I think that in and of itself is a really significant difference. It is part of our DNA this ethical approach. So values and beliefs underpin every aspect of how we invest, uh, equally how we operate internally. Australian Ethical is a B Corp. Um, in fact, was the, were the first Australian listed company that became a B Corp and just recently was recertified as a B Corp with the highest score across Australia and New Zealand. So this is really core to who we are and the way that we work. The other point I think of key difference is that we have a very strong and rigorous internal ethics and research process. And so we've got a great team in-house that look at every single stock, that every single investment is considered in that way. And so this is something that is very much core to who we are and that forms a broader theory of change. Uh, if you know our purpose is, you know, we believe that capital can be a force for good, you know, investing for a better world. You know, th this is something that sits at the very core to who we are. And it's what our members and investors expect of us. And, and I think it's one of the reasons that Australian Ethical has been a real success story in terms of its continued growth. Finally, you're also the chair at RIA. 
How do you see the evolution of impact investing at the industry level? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, the, the overall market is maturing. So systems and processes and frameworks all the time are being tested and refined. In fact, just last year, the global impact investing market, and again, remember the definition I gave earlier, these are investments that actively, they have both additionality and materiality. So if you like true impact investments, that market globally is now in excess of a trillion dollars. So you've got a significant volume of capital that is being invested in this way. Um, How do I see it evolving? I think in the Australian market, we are catching up. And certainly, we've got a lot that we can be learning from Europe and even from the US in in various jurisdictions. Um, But I think that more and more consumers are taking an interest in where their money is and not only what it's not doing, the things that it's avoiding. And so people generally, when they look at underlying investments and think, I don't want to be investing in destructive industries um, or things that are doing harm, it's a really, it's an interesting proposition for people to then then think, then think through, can my money actually be contributing to good? Can it be doing good for environment, for society? And I think this is something that as a whole, you know, consumers are grappling with more broadly, whether it's around existential climate risk, whether it's about issues of modern slavery or otherwise. And so we see a rising tide of consumer interest. And we see also um, from an investment standpoint, the critical importance of considering things like climate risk in the way portfolios are set up and established. And so both from a, from a bottom-up consumer standpoint as well as a more an investor-led standpoint, we think that we're going to see this market continue to mature. The other and perhaps the final point I'd note just from the point of view of the Australian landscape, we see a number of regulatory or legislative elements falling into place that will, will actually only add weight and momentum to the strength and the rigour of processes and considerations around impact investing or responsible investing more broadly. So things like the taxonomy, Australian government has just recently put out a consultation paper on a sustainable finance strategy. And so we're really encouraged by these things because what it does is it helps to bring a better degree of um, standardisation and some frameworks that, that help us to navigate um, you know the, the right approaches, and also, frankly, help consumers to understand what actually is a responsible investment. Greenwashing has been an interesting factor on that. We welcome the regulatory focus in that area because, first and foremost, it's so important for consumers to be able to understand where their money is, where it isn't, and equally what their money is actually doing there. So, I think we're only going to see that market continue to mature and to grow. And I think with impact investing more broadly, we think there's a profound opportunity for capital to be invested in this way in that goes kind of beyond just financial returns and really starts to think through some of uh, society and the planet's most complex issues and problems. That's a powerful proposition to unleash the force of institutional capital in those areas. That sounds like a, a lot of positivity to come then. I think so. It's not without risk, of course. Um, and, and look, part of that we're seeing play out in the narrative on, on greenwashing. And of course, as consumers get more interested here, there's a desire for you know, new products coming into the marketplace. But I think overall, it's a healthy sign that consumers are starting to vote with their feet. And we think that that's a good thing if that improves the rigour and the practice of superannuation funds or other investors in how they disclose their practice and how they think about these things, hopefully in a more visionary and strategic way. Thank you so much for running us through all that, Ross. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. I'm Cassandra Baldini, and this is my last episode with the Financial Standard Podcast. 
I really want to thank all of our listeners and encourage you to keep tuning in weekly for the latest developments in finance, investment trends and economics that shape the future of Australia's wealth management landscape. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 